רק אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שלו, לרנו לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר הקדוש שמשה בארץ המה. ובפרט לרבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחמן ומקור חוכמה. רבנו נחמן ופגם את שמחה. נא נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותו תגן עלינו על כל ישראל אמן. סוטרן שיחות הרן, ברוך השם. We have three lessons ahead of us. Shorter lessons. It's going to be a shorter podcast. But each lesson in its own right has a tremendous advice and uh, secrets that Rabbeinu is revealing here that are quite tremendous, very applicable, very practical. Um, things that we all need to learn. And um, yeah, let's focus on each one. Let's try to explain it to the best of our ability and simplicity. But we're going to see awesome things here. Uh, so we start with Siman Kuv Gimel, lesson 103. So Rabbanu says it's better to be a fool that believes in every single thing, as used in the language of Mishleh, chapter 14, verse 15. Peti literally means a fool. A fool that believes in everything. And of course a fool doesn't have the best context. A person who doesn't know much, a person who's, who's uh, naive in a sense. Um, and we're not necessarily talking about... Uh, uh, simplicity here. It's it's even more than that. Essentially, a fool is someone who doesn't um, study much, doesn't do much. He doesn't maybe progress as much, and doesn't put in that work. He he remains a fool. There's a there's someone who might be a fool, but he actually works. And in that case, he wouldn't necessarily be considered a fool, considered a fool. It's like a, the time. The time he puts in all the work that he can do. He puts in the effort. He works on himself. Petty is a little bit different. He's a fool, but that believes in every single thing that he's told. Because he didn't know any better. He just told everything and he believes in everything. Uh, Rabbanu says, better be a person who believes in stupidity and in falsehood so that it also you also believe in the truth. Meaning what? Better be a fool who believes in what he's told. That means that you, yes, if you're told the falsehood, if you're told something stupid, if you're told, if you're told something foolish, you might believe it. You might not get it to joke. You might not believe. You, you might not understand the falsehood in there. But also, when you're told the truth, you also believe in the truth. Why? Because you're a fool. So you believe, you, you accept everything. Rabbanu says, better be this petty, this fool, than to be a chacham, than to be um, uh, a wise man, a sophisticated person. And to deny every single thing, God forbid. Rabbeinu says, yes, this person who, who's a smart aleck, he's going to be skeptical and uh, he's going to deny all these foolish things and all these falsehoods, of course, because he's too smart for that. Um, and everything will become a joke to him, which will eventually lead him to what? To ridicule the truth as well. And that's the most dangerous thing. Rabbeinu is saying the centerpiece of all of this, what we're talking about is the truth, is the emet. And that the main thing is that you always fall in the category of someone who believes in the truth. So yes, the fool might believe in that which is false, um, which is different in the case of the sophisticated person, which, where the sophisticated person won't believe in that which is false. But the sophisticated person won't believe in the truth. Why? Because he's so sophisticated, he's skeptical about everything, that even when the truth is presented to him, he'll deny that as well when it comes to him. Literally, the, this is the secret of the story of the Chacham and the Tam. Yeah, the, the Tam might even be in the category of someone who, uh, who believes everything he's told. But uh, it's a little bit more different. He's not, uh, Rabbi Nathan mentioned over there that he's not stupid. 
He's not a fool in the category of what we're talking about here. Rabbeinu is literally saying in this, in this case, he's going to the extreme. Better be an idiot. Better be a fool who believes in every single thing. Why? Because if you believe in every single thing, you also believe in the truth. Whereas those people who are too wise for their own good, they end up denying the truth. Even though they might not believe in that which is false, they also deny the truth. Which means they deny everything. Everything's a joke to them. They ridicule everything. And it's brought down in Masachet Eduyot Perikhe that it's mentioned over there that better be um, a fool. Better I be called a fool all my days than, I, than to be wicked one moment before God. Rabban was saying better to be stupid and to be a fool for all the days of your life because even if you're a fool, you'll still believe in the truth than to be wicked and to deny the truth. Uh, just once before Hashem Ibarach. And this is a huge piece of advice. Rabbeinu is saying, wisdom is not the takhlit, it's not the purpose of everything. In fact, better be a fool than to be wise. Why? Because if you're going to be too wise, when we're talking about wisdom here, I'm not talking about wisdom of the Torah. Wisdom of the Torah, of course, this is, this is very important. This is crucial to be able to draw close to Hashem Ibarach, uh, to be able to break one's desires, as we're going to discuss in the next uh, podcast, the next ep- uh, in the next uh, lesson. But, Rabban was saying here that foolishness could be better than this sophistication. It is better than sophistication in all ca- than sophistication in every single case, in every single scenario. Why? Because sophistication will always bring you to a place to deny the truth. Whereas foolishness will actually, even though you might believe in falsehood, the main thing is that you also believe in the truth. And the truth, if, as long as you believe in the truth, it will always guide you um, in the right path. And it can always outweigh the, the falsehood and the, the evil of the world. Okay, Siman Kuvdalet. Im paga becha menuvaze moshcheu levet amidrash. This is brought down in the Gemara Kiddushin, page 30b. It mentions over there in the Gemara that if the disgusting one, if the, um, this disgusting one, meaning the Yetzara, the evil inclination, accosts you, if it comes and attacks you, drag him to the house of study, the Bet Amidrash, the place where they study Torah. We're going to discuss why it's the house of study, not the house of prayer, or what, what's really happening here. Because sometimes this bad, the, the evil inclination, it prays, it worships from inside a person. Sometimes it prays within a person. And then the man is compared to, to, to like a shul. He's compared to a synagogue. Why? Because within him a person's praying. So he's the synagogue and within him there's someone praying. Just like a, So he's the synagogue and within him the Yetzirah is praying and worshiping within him. So he's like a synagogue. Why? Because a synagogue has someone praying inside it. And of course, the Yetzirah is praying inside of him. The same is true, as we just discussed, but in the case of, um, but here we're talking about a house of study. Sometimes the evil inclination studies within a person. So therefore, you're like a, a house of study. That in a house of study, there's someone studying inside. And in this case, you're the house of study. And inside of you, is the uh, evil one studying inside of you. Ah, but Rabbeinu says, here's the main thing. Nonetheless, this study is better than this prayer. Meaning the prayer, whenever the Yitzhara is inside of you, worshipping within you, meaning that the Yitzhara is attacking you and you're trying to pray, rather than the, um, the study in which you're trying to study, but the Yitzhara is in you, within you. Rabbeinu is saying, um, better 
to engage in study at this time whenever this one inside of you is uh, doing whatever it is, whether it's praying or studying. Better to pray, better, sorry, better to study while the evil, evil one inside of you is studying as well than to pray while the evil one inside of you is praying. Because whenever the evil one attacks you, Rabbanu is saying the main, um, um, in this case, attack, the disgusting one, I think it's a reference, of course, to evil desires. Whenever it's trying to attack you into evil desires, make you fall into certain things. The main thing is to dra- drag it uh, to the bit of Midrash, meaning to go engage in study. And there's many reasons for this. Lesson 25, the Quran explains perfectly that um, studying Torah essentially increases one's wisdom, and of course wisdom is what combats the Yetzirah, which is the strength of the imagination. So um, you cannot necessarily get that through prayer, or it takes much longer, and prayer sometimes, um, um, what do you call it, cannot be effective in this whenever you need to get rid of it immediately, whenever you're in that test. So Rabbanu says, go study, and while you're studying, you'll be able to, um, what do you call get rid of it. So what do the Chachamim say in the Gemara? That when you bring your Yetzirah to the Bet HaMidrash, when you bring your evil inclination to the house of study, if the evil inclination is a, is a stone, he'll be melted. If he's iron, he'll shatter. In any case, whatever the Yetzirah presents himself with, whatever disguise he's, he's donning, he will, he'll, be, he'll vanish. Why? When you drag him to the Bet HaMidrash. And this is what it says in the language of the Gemara. If he accosts in you. So first, if the disgusting one accosts you, if he attacks you, confronts you. What's Pegiyah? Pegiyah when it says to accost, Pegiyah is, is a language and an expression of prayer. In uh, what do you call it? In the Gemara Brachot, page 26b. Uh, that pegiyah is an aspect of prayer, uh, prayer, as is, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's with regard to Yaakov, if you know if I'm not mistaken, that he reached that place. Um, I have to double check. But um, maybe I think he reached that place, and it, I believe that it's referencing tefillah over there, that Yaakov prayed when he reached Hagamoya uh, or Bet El. If I'm not mistaken, I forget. Um, could be totally wrong, but. Um, I have to look into it. Nonetheless, Pegiyah is mentioned over there in the Gemara Barachot 26b is uh, an expression of tefillah. And Rabbanu is explaining. Uh, meaning when this evil one, when this uh, disgusting one prays with inside you, worshipping within you, you're just like a Bet Knesset. Meaning that you're trying to pray, but the is the one taking control. He's the one worshipping. It's not you. You, you can't pray properly. And you're just like the Bet Knesset. You're just like the, the place in which he's praying inside you. He has complete control. Drag him to the Bet Hamidrash. That's the advice of the Gemara. Because better that you're the type of better that you're the Bet Hamidrash in, in the scenario, not the Bet Knesset, not the Shul. Because study in this scenario specifically is better, especially when you're attacked with evil inclinations and desires. That it has an ability to nullify the Yitzhara. And this is something huge that when you're attacked and when your mind may not, when you're in, a, when the when the strength of the imagination is taking over your intellect, remember to try to value your intellect over this and to go study Torah. For studying Torah has the ability to increase your dat, your chokhmah, and prevent you from sin. Siman Kufay, the last lesson for today. Vashir koach bahem la'amod 
We're going to talk about the chamber of the king here. As I mentioned in Daniel chapter 1 verse 4, those who have the power, those who have the koach, the strength, to stand in the chamber of the king. Now Rabbanu is going to explain who are these people that have this strength. Because up on high, there is the chamber of the king. Here below, the chamber of the king is speech. Up on high, of course, there's the chamber of the king, but down below, of course, there's, there's up and high and down below, there's um, the reflections of each other. So up there, there is a, a chamber of the king, but down here, the chamber of the king is better known as speech. Dibur. When we say chamber, it's a reference to the name of Adnut, the name of God's kingship. Which we pronounce Aleph Dalid and Nun, which is uh, spelled Aleph Dalid Nun and Yud. Um, this is brought down in Tikkun as well. Tikkun 18, Daf Lamed Bet Amud Aleph. It's incredible. Literally, part of the Seder of yesterday's Zohar um, that I was reading is uh, is this Inyan, uh, what do you call it, of uh, Tikkun Yud Chet. We're, we're reading it during the month of Elul, and uh, to finish in the month of Elul, Bahu Hashem, um, <laughs> yesterday's, um, what do you call Siman was. Uh, Siman Yud Chet of Tikkun Hashem, and today's as well. Um, it was actually yesterday's. But Ba'u Hashem, the Hashkach Pratit is always incredible that Hashem Bach, whenever you're studying in different places, Hashem ties everything together. But it's mentioned over then, Tikkun Yud Chet, back to the subject, that when it's mentioned, when, you, when we mention the idea of chamber, the chamber of the king, this is a reference to Adnut. When we say you, Alef Dal and Nun and we mention this name of Hashem, which represents the kingship of God, this is the chamber of Hashem. And how do we, what is Adnut? This name of Adnut, Adonai Sefatatitach. Whenever we say at the beginning of the silent prayer that we say three times a day, Adonai Sefatatitach, Hashem, open up my lips. Lord, open up my lips. As, we, as is mentioned in Tehillim chapter 51, verse 17. So when we say chamber, we're referencing the, the name of Hashem, Adnut, you're entering the chamber of Hashem. So when you start, when you start the chamber, when you start the, the words of uh, when you start with the word of God, whenever you start the Amidah, the silent prayer, essentially you're stepping in the chamber of the king for that word, for that name of God. Adnut, the Shem Adnut, um, represents God's chamber. And a person has the strength to stand in the chamber of the king. And what's the chamber of the king? We just said it's speech. But specifically, what type of speech? The speech of the tzaddik, the mouth of the tzaddik. That is the chamber of the king. And now we are going to understand why. Because we actually discussed this just recently. We just did this Siman in Sichot Aran. About how the Tzaddik sometimes gets embarrassed by other Tzaddikim. And how the Tzaddik will, will stay silent. As we saw in Lesson 96 of Sichot Aran. That um, the Tzaddik, one Tzaddik will argue against the bigger the Tzaddik, the Tzaddik I met. And this Tzaddik, this great Tzaddik needs to stay silent in the, in the, uh, in the midst of this opposition. Um, that he will be opposed and yet he will stay silent and to judge the other person positively. And um, in withstanding the mouth of the tzaddik who fights him, through this he, um, he goes to, an other, to another and higher level. And there's deep stuff, as we mentioned over there in, 90, in Lesson 96 of Sichot Aran, it's directly connected to the Sinyan. But Rabban was saying that the mouth of the tzaddik is the chamber of the king. That what, what Rabban was saying here, that the chamber of the king is whenever this tzaddik 
who's being opposed by another tzaddik needs to have the strength to stand and not to respond to, to, to be silent in the chamber of the king. And Rabenu has another lesson in the Yikuta Moran that whenever Rabenu says that whenever you stand in the chamber of the king, who are you to receive honor? So the true tzaddik, when he, he, when he, whenever he's opposed by other tzaddikim, or the greater tzaddik in the case of a scenario, whenever there's machloket between types of tzaddikim, the greater tzaddik, whenever he's getting the opposition, hit, whenever he's getting hit with opposition, that he needs to be silent. And in being silent, and not responding, and just standing in the chamber of the king, through this, um, that's how he essentially uh, is able to stand. Those who have the power to stand in the chamber of the king are those who... Um, who, uh, who don't say much, who don't say anything, and who are there l'shem um, when the when this other tzaddik is opposing them. And there's lots to say about this. For when there's machloket between tzaddikim, it gets very complicated. A person might not know who the truth is. Rabbeinu says in lesson five, when there's machloket between tzaddikim, it's coming to teach you that when you see this happening in front of you, that you have the problem with your with uh, with your moach, with your mind, and the drops of your mind have been uh, damaged. Rabbeinu was saying that what happens between the tzaddikim, the machloket between true, between true tzaddikim, nobody knows. But Rabbeinu is giving us a, a sheer, a, a little hint, a little just small taste of what's really happening here and the depth of what's going on. That the greater tzaddik here needs to stay silent and enter the chamber of the king. Um, so the mouth of this tzaddik essentially becomes the chamber of the king. And Baruch Hashem, uh, we have a merit. We have the merit to study from a tzaddik like Rabbeinu who experienced relentless and still experiencing relentless opposition but nonetheless stay silent and there will come a time when Bizrat Hashem all these tzaddikim will come to recognize the greatness of, uh, of this tzaddik and uh, all the other great tzaddikim as well who have went through relentless opposition the Ramchal the Ariya Kadosh the Rabbi Shem Bayochai Bashem Tov Moshe Rabbeinu all these great tzaddikim and many tzaddikim of our past who have experienced tremendous opposition um, the Baratanya, great tzaddikim. So, B'zat Hashem, um, may we emulate these tzaddikim in being silent and uh, have the strength to stand in the chamber of the king by not responding and to uh, to be there, Hashem Shemayim.